Luke 4, verses 1 through 13. It says, Then Yeshua returned from the Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the son of Elohim, tell this stone to become bread. But Yeshua answered him, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. And Yeshua answered him, It is written, Worship Yahweh, your Elohim, and serve him only. So he took him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of Elohim, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you. and They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Yeshua answered him, It is said, Do not test Yahweh your Elohim. After the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. Let's pray. Yahweh Father, you're great, you're wonderful, and I'm very thankful, Father, that you chose me to be your son. And I'm thankful, Father Yahweh, that you put a desire within me to lead and guide my wife and my children and also, Father, to teach the congregation here. Thank you for all these wonderful saints. Thank you for placing the desire within them to serve you. I pray, Father, that it would get stronger and not weaker. That you'd be a great part, the center part of our life, the focal point. Yahweh, I love your word. And today I pray that it would go from my mind and my heart, from my heart to the people's hearts and then to their minds. And that people would be edified and built up and exhorted because that is why you give us the gifts of the Spirit for the building up of the congregation. And I pray that my teaching today would do that. I pray these things through your only begotten Son, Yeshua the Messiah, my elder brother and kinsman redeemer. Amen. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Last time I talked about the book of Luke, we ended with the baptism of Yeshua. And I did not teach on verses 23 through 38. I will eventually, but if you want to read verses 23 through 38, you'll see that it's a list of names. It's a genealogy, and it's important. But for right now, I'm not going to talk about the genealogy, and we're going to go into chapter 4 and spend some time here this particular moon or month. Here we have the temptation of our Messiah. If we read verses 1 through 2 again, it says, Then Yeshua returned from the Jordan, full of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were over, he was hungry. I believe that after the baptism of our Messiah, that's when he received the fullness of the Holy Spirit. 
I talked about this when I taught on the baptism. There's a passage in Acts chapter 10, verses 37 through 38, that talks about the days of John the Baptist and how that John baptized Yeshua. And after that, it mentions that he was full of the Spirit and power. And he went about and he did good and he healed people of their sicknesses and he casted out uh, demonic possession out of people and healed them in that way as well. So he's full of the Spirit right here, but then it says that he's led by the Spirit, and I don't see how that's any different spirit than the same Spirit that he's full of. He's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, to be tempted of the devil. Why would he be led by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil? I ask myself that question and I know the scope of Scripture. And I know this, brothers and sisters, I know that Yahweh leads us into things to teach us, to discipline us, and to cause us to understand certain things that we would never be able to understand had we not went through that particular situation and circumstance. I've said this to a lot of people that I talk to on the phone, and I think to some people in here as well. And that's this, that any time we go through a trial or a test or a period of temptation in our life, during that, we don't understand why it is taking place. It always works out like that. We never understand why it's taking place. Once we get through the circumstance, once we get through the situation and we look back on it, it is only then, generally, that Yahweh reveals to us why He had put us through that situation. And then we see, okay, I learned this, I was taught this, I now know this better because of the situation that I was in. So Yeshua, He's full of the Holy Spirit now, greater measure than any other man to ever live. And then he's led by that same spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I believe that the devil here, I believe that it is the being that is called Satan in the scriptures. That old serpent. Um, some people call him Lucifer. I don't know about that because that is basically coming from the Latin Vulgate. Morning star might be a better translation. He is the counterfeit morning star. There is a true morning star. How many know that? That is our Messiah, our beloved Messiah. He's the root of David, the bright and the morning star in the book of Revelation. Some people often wonder why Satan the devil is called the morning star in Isaiah 14. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar is as well, and I believe that Satan is the power that is behind Nebuchadnezzar. But it's because... We talked about this last night, I think Brother Dan and I and a couple of other brothers, that anytime you have truth, you have counterfeit. And counterfeit always looks like the truth. But you know what? If you study the truth, you don't have to worry so much about the counterfeit because you'll know what the truth is. And you'll be able to bout and go to task with anything that comes at you that's counterfeit. So it says here that for 40 days he was tempted... Um, this happened when he was at his strongest. He's filled with the Spirit. He's at his strongest part here. He's just been baptized. He's about to go and begin his ministry. You know, it seems like Yahweh 
allows these types of things to happen to us when we're at our strongest, doesn't it? <laughs> but you know that Satan wants to attack those that are strong. He does. Uh, those that are weak, those that are lax, those that are lukewarm, the devil has them exactly where he wants them to be. I taught a message not long ago at the feast that talks about how that Satan is angry with those that keep the commandments of Yahweh and hold to the testimony about the Messiah. Well, he's not angry with people that just profess things with their lips. We can say that we love Yahweh, right? But we deny him by our what? By our works, by our actions. The book of Titus says that people profess to know him, but in works they deny him. 1 John 2, I believe it's verses 3, 4, and 5, somewhere in there, it says that if we say that we know him, but we don't keep his commandments, we're a liar and the truth is not in us, right? But if we really truly know him, we'll walk even as the Messiah walked. That's 1 John 2, verse 6. Satan attacks strongly those people that are totally devoted to Almighty Yahweh. And he attacks them in a very great way. And if, and I believe that this is the case, I used to not, but for the past four or five years, I switched my position on this because when you read the Bible, you don't want to twist and turn things to make them say something that they don't. For example, I don't believe that every time that the Bible uses the word Satan or devil, that it's talking about a being. I think sometimes it's talking about a human adversary or a group of people that are in opposition to somebody. But there are about 20 or so texts in the Bible that I finally had to come to grips with and recognize that there is a being, there's an arch enemy of Almighty Yahweh that fell from the heavens many, many years ago, and he's very intelligent. And one of the reasons he's intelligent is because his original position was as an angelic being in Yahweh's court, possibly the very highest being that existed in heaven with Almighty Yahweh, ranking right up there with Michael, who was another archangel, with angels up under his authority. So he's thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. <laughs> he's very intelligent. And even Michael, when he was in a dispute with the devil about the body of Moses, did not bring a railing accusation against the devil himself. But he said, Yahweh rebuke you. And see, this is how we have to come to Satan. When he comes to us with that opposition, we do not try to fight him on our own because we will lose. We use Yahweh's name. We use Yahweh's authority. We use Yahweh's power. We do like David did when he came to Goliath with just a slingshot. He said, you've got all this armor and all this battle, javelin and, and spear and sword and all this stuff. But I'm going to come to you in the name of Yahweh of hosts, which is Yahweh of armies. Yahweh of the armies of heaven, which is the, the good angels. So Satan is very intelligent and he comes and he strikes those that are strong in the faith because he knows that if he can attack if he can attack somebody that's up here, he can affect everybody that's down here. Sometimes it's not Satan. I think most of the time it's probably one of his cohorts, one of his demons or the other fallen angels that are up under his authority. Sometimes I guess Satan could mess with a person. He messed with a man by the name of Job. I don't know if he's ever messed with me in my life specifically. But I do know this, I do believe that there has been demonic activity to try to destroy what I do and to destroy my ministry. I know that for a fact. Um, I can't go into all of that right now. I may not ever be able to. But he is real, and I know that he wants to tear me down 
And I know that he wants to tear all of the strong followers of Yahweh down to the ground. And here he wanted to tear the son of Yahweh down to the ground. And he caught him when he was at a strong point, And he tempted him for 40 days. We shouldn't just think that he tempted him for three times. There are three specific times mentioned, but there were many other temptations throughout the 40 days that he fasted. Notice that Yeshua ate nothing for those days. And he was hungry when they were over, like any human being would be if he fasted for 40 days. Fasting helps us overcome. Right, Sister Rama? We recently studied the book of Esther not too long ago with the family. And before Esther went in to the king uninvited, she had her and the people that she knew fast with her for three days, night and day. And then I'll go into the king. And she went into him on that third day. Fasting helps us overcome. Fasting is something that, yes, is against the flesh. It definitely makes us hurt. And we get hungry. And we get cranky. And we get headaches. And we feel like we want to eat. And we think that we're going to die sometimes. But fasting is wonderful. And it causes you to forget about... um, the more you do it, I should say, it causes you to forget about the carnality in things. Uh, your emotions get more sensitive, which I believe is a good thing. David talks about in the Psalms how that he humbled himself and he fasted and he began to pray again. Prayer returned back to him. So I think that sometimes if we wonder why are we not praying enough, maybe it's because we haven't fasted and we're not emotional enough and we're not sensitive enough to the Spirit and what Yahweh would do in our life. Yeshua fasted for 40 days. That's a long time to go without eating, brothers and sisters. I've never been for that long. A long time to go. Verses 3 through 4, The devil said to him, If you are the son of Elohim, the son of Yahweh, tell this stone to become bread. But Yeshua answered him, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone. Now I believe that the devil here is very sarcastic. I think that he knows that Yeshua is the son of Yahweh. One of the reasons I think this is if you just go over to Luke 8:28, we won't read there, but there we have a situation where there was a man that was possessed demonically with multiple demons and as they spoke out of the man, they said our name and used the plural pronoun us even is legion, which means many, a multitude. And so these demons had this man possessed whereby he could not even be bound with chains. And he went around and he just ran around like a wild man. And when Yeshua came and spoke to the demons that were within the man, they spoke back to Yeshua and they said, What do we have to do with you, thou son of the Most High? They acknowledged who he was. They knew who he was. The devil knows he's the son of Yahweh. He's being sarcastic. He's saying, look, if you are really the son of Yahweh, if you're really who you claim to be, then tell these stones to be turned into bread. And he attacks him at his weak point. He's hungry. He's been fasting. And Yeshua answers, and he doesn't just answer with something off of the top of his head. I guess maybe in some sense it was off the top of his head. But he doesn't just make anything up. What he does is he answers with Scripture. With Scripture. What we call the book of Deuteronomy Chapter 8, verse 3. The chapters and verses weren't back then. But he answers with Scripture and he says, You know what? It's written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of Yahweh. 
does man live? And in that original context, what Yahweh is saying is to the children of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy, at the end of their wilderness wandering, in the 40th year, He says, I led you in the wilderness and I fed you with bread that you did not know about. And they called it manna. And the word manna means, what is it? Because they didn't know what it was. <laughs> he said, I fed you with bread that you didn't know about so that you would learn that you don't live on bread alone. You don't live on what you are familiar with. But you live by me. You live by me. How often do we think in our own life, we go about our mundane business, we go about our daily life, and we actually think that we're the reason that we're making it from day to day. We think that we're the reason that we've got food on the table. And we forget to bless Yahweh when we've eaten and are full. We're thinking that we're the reason that we have a house or a roof over our head or clothes on our back. We begin to think that way and we forget that we're not living, we're not being sustained by Matthew Jansen. My house is not protected because of me. It's protected because of the Heavenly Father. He's watching over me. He's taking care of me and my wife and my children. It's His business. He's doing that for me. And I'm so thankful that He is. And I think that when we fast, we might ought to quote that Scripture too. We don't live by bread alone. We're not staying alive just because we're eating fleshly food. Yeah, that's part of it. Yahweh's okay with eating. <laughs> but we're staying alive because Yahweh's our mighty one and He's sustaining us and He's giving us power. We're living through Him. It's in Him we live and we move and we breathe. Yeshua answers the devil with Scripture. He knows the Scripture and He uses the Scripture and that's exactly how we should answer the devil. Using the name of Yahweh, Yahweh rebuke you, and then we quote Scripture. We feel like we're being attacked, we quote Scripture. We've got to know it to be able to quote it. Amen? Amen. Got to be reading it. Got to be meditating upon it. And He comes at us this way, and we say, it's written, it's written, it's written. And we quote Scripture in the midst of the battle, exactly like our Master and Savior did. It's okay to use that verse in Deuteronomy 8.3 to apply to us. If we read Deuteronomy 8.3, you know what? It really didn't even apply to Yeshua the Messiah. It was originally written to the Israelites in the wilderness. But Yeshua saw that he could make application of that verse to his life. And we can do the same thing. Just because it was written specifically to the Israelites in the wilderness doesn't mean we cannot also use it to make application in our own life. Verses 5-8. through eight. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. The devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it has been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you then will worship me, all will be yours. And Yeshua answered him, It is written, Worship Yahweh your Elohim and serve Him only. The devil took him up. Matthew 4, 8, the parallel text, says that he took him up on a high mountain. I have come to believe that what this means is exactly what it says. I don't believe that they did a journey for 21 days to go up to the mountain. Uh, because the devil is an angelic being, I believe that he could transport Yeshua up on top of a mountain. I'm not trying to sound science fiction. But I believe he could transport Yeshua up on top of a mountain in the blink of an eye. I think that when Gabriel came, as I mentioned 
last night to visit Daniel. I don't think it took him a thousand years to get from heaven to earth. I believe he came immediately. And so the devil takes Yeshua up on top of this high mountain and he shows him all these kingdoms and he says, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this earth. Now, Yeshua is the son of Yahweh. Remember, he's been baptized before this. He heard the voice come down from heaven, right? The voice said, you are my son. In you I'm well pleased. I believe he knows he's going to inherit everything that Father Yahweh has. Uh, we are heirs of Yahweh, but we are co-heirs with the Messiah. Okay? So that means that the Messiah is going to inherit everything that Yahweh has created, and if we're in the Messiah, clothed in His righteousness, we are co-heirs with Him. Now, in order to inherit everything that His Father has created, He also knows the disciples didn't, for a long time, but he knows that he's got to go through a lot of suffering, a lot of agony, and a lot of pain. But the devil here promises him an easy way out. Listen, I'll give you all the kingdoms, and it'll be a shortcut to your inheritance, and you won't have to go through the suffering and the pain. I think that's what the devil is doing. And I believe that here in verse 6 at the end where he says, I can give this to you because it's been given over to me, and I can give it to anyone that I want. I think that the devil is lying there, personally. I don't believe that he could give anything that he wanted to anybody that he wanted. It should not surprise us if the devil lies because he's the father of lies. He lied in the garden. Yahweh said, in the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, you will surely die. And what did the devil do? He said, you surely won't die. Put one word in there. Switch the whole meaning around. We're going to see that he twists Scripture here in just a second as well. So I believe he's lying to the Messiah here. But he wants him to bow down and worship him as being sovereign. The devil offers a shortcut with no pain. And Yeshua quotes Scripture again. And he quotes from the book of Deuteronomy again, the book of Devarim. Deuteronomy 6, verse 13, where it says, Worship Yahweh and only serve Him. And see, our Messiah is quoting that towards himself, see. In other words, I'm not going to bow down to you and worship you as sovereign because it's written in the Torah to me that I'm only to worship Yahweh. That's what he's saying. And I'm only to serve Yahweh. And so get thee behind me, Satan, because I'm quoting the Scriptures to you and the Scriptures are what my life is after, what it's focused upon, and what I want to do. And so he gets out of that temptation. Then in verse 9 it says, So he took him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the son of Yahweh, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Yeshua answered him, It is said, Do not test Yahweh your Elohim. He takes him up to the highest point of the temple. That what it, that's what it means by the pinnacle of the temple. This, at this particular time, would have been the temple, often called Zerubbabel's temple, that Herod kind of fancied up, that existed during the time of the first coming of our Messiah. And he takes him on the highest point of that temple, and he tells him, basically, step off of it. Jump off. 
If you're really the son of Yahweh, once again, remember, he knows. It's being sarcastic. If you're really Yahweh's son, then step off of the temple, and then the devil, what does he do? He quotes the Bible. He quotes Scripture. He quotes the book of Psalms, chapter 91. Psalm 91, verses 11 through 12. But how many knows that just because he quotes Scripture doesn't mean that he quotes it correctly? Listen, just because somebody can rattle off a bunch of scriptures to you and tell you where they're at, that doesn't mean that they're a righteous person. Don't be deceived by that. Isn't it funny how we always get deceived by things that are flashy or people that seem very flashy? And we forget that Yeshua says we shall know them by their fruits. By their fruits. Listen, before you trust a man and his message or before you trust anybody, you look at their life. Amen. You watch how they live over a period of time. Hallelujah. So the devil quotes Scripture and he twists it and he quotes Psalm 91. And if you go read Psalm 91, Psalm 91 is all about protecting. The protection of the righteous. That look, if you fall off a high place, don't worry because Yahweh will protect you and send the angels and they'll catch you and you won't dash your foot and hurt yourself on the stone or on the rock. The rest of Psalm 91, read it. It's all about the protection of the righteous. And so the devil is saying, look, if you're really the son of Yahweh, you should be able to step off the pinnacle of the temple. The angels will catch you. There'll be no problem. But what would Yeshua be doing? If he did that, and he's about to say it, he would be testing Yahweh. And what that means is he would be purposefully placing himself in calamity or harm's way. It's kind of like the people that handle the snakes, right? There is a passage in Mark 16 that says they shall take up serpents. (laughs) I actually don't believe it's supposed to be in the Bible, Mark 16, 9 through 20. That's another message for another time. But let's just say that it is supposed to be in there, and it says they shall take up serpents. That doesn't mean what the snake handlers in backwoods Georgia and Mississippi and Kentucky believe that it means that you purposefully go and handle a snake because that's testing Yahweh. You're purposefully putting yourself in harm's way. What it does mean is like towards the end in the book of Acts where Paul was gathering wood and a viper came out and bit him and he shook him off because he was about his business or about the father's business, I should say. And that venomous viper did not harm the apostle Paul. But he didn't purposely go running through the bushes and say, let me find a viper so I can pick him up and show all these guys what's up, right? It's the same thing with people I've heard that drink the uh, poison. They drink the strychnine. On purpose. That's testing Yahweh. It would be different though if I was on some ministerial work preaching to a group of people and somebody tried to slip me some poison in my drink and I didn't know about it and I drank it and miraculously it did not harm me because of that text of Scripture. See, that's not testing Yahweh. There's a difference there. And Yeshua is saying, look, if I was to do this, just step off this temple and purposefully put myself in harm's way, I would be violating where it is said, look at verse 12, Do not test Yahweh your Elohim. That's what Yeshua is saying. I would be violating that scripture if I did what you're telling me to do. Thus the devil, even though he quotes scripture, he quotes it out of context and quotes it incorrectly. That lets us know, brothers and sisters, it's very important that we don't quote scripture out of context because it's satanic when we do that. We may not realize it at that point in time and we can repent if we did it unintentionally. 
But we should be very careful that we don't quote it out of context or incorrectly because that is exactly what the devil does and that is exactly what the devil wants you to do is quote something out of context. And you know, if you start quoting things out of context, you can really come up with a host of very bizarre teachings. Very bizarre teachings. For instance, handling snakes and drinking strychnine. That's a bizarre teaching. To say we're going to come in here and just start up and do it. No, that's not what Mark 16 is saying, even if it was intended to be there at the end of the Gospel of Mark. So Yeshua was not to test Yahweh. He was not to purposefully put himself in harm's way. Then in verse 13, it says, After the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. Matthew 4.11, the parallel text says that at the end of this, the angels came and they ministered to him. Ministered means to serve. You hear people calling themselves Minister Smith, Minister Brown. The word minister comes from the Latin language and it means a servant. It'd be a lot different calling them Servant Brown and Servant Smith, wouldn't it? The angels came and served Yeshua. Can you imagine? They come and served him. They gave him aid. They probably brought him some food. The devil, it says, departed from Yeshua, but it says for a time. And this lets us know that he does come back to continue to try to persuade those that love Almighty Yahweh. He leaves for a time. But do you know what? In all of these temptations, our Master, our Messiah, never committed sin. We've been tempted. Matthew's been tempted by the devil, and I've sinned. You've been tempted by the devil, and you've sinned. But our Messiah answers to all of our failures. Hebrews 4.15 says that he was tempted in every point just as we are, yet without sin. That's the good news, Brother Leon. That's the gospel. Where we've messed up, he didn't mess up. That's why it's so important to put your faith and your trust and your hope in the Messiah. In Luke 3.38, just before the fourth chapter, Adam is called the son of Elohim. I don't think that Luke, and I'm going to share this with you, I don't know that this has to be, but I don't think that Luke put that there just by happenstance or by coincidence. Adam being called the son of Elohim in Luke 3.38, and we know that Yeshua, all through here, the devil says, if you are the son of Elohim. Do you know that Adam, the son of Elohim, was tempted and he failed? But Yeshua, who is called the second Adam or the last Adam, the son of Elohim, was tempted and he did not fail. And I think that that's not there by coincidence and that Luke is trying to show us something even apart from the actual text there. I want you to also know that we too, even though we've tempted and we've and we've been tried and we've failed and we've sinned, I want you to know that we don't have to. Can we turn to 1 Corinthians 10? I haven't turned to any other text. I want to turn just to this one text. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. We can pass our tests by the power of the Spirit. We cannot pass them on our own, brothers and sisters, but we can pass them by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit of Yahweh lives within you. You can pass the temptations and the tests. And let me tell you something. Has anybody... I know we've all been tempted and we've all fallen short and we've failed, but... Have you ever been tempted, tried and tested, and you didn't give in? 
and you quoted the Scripture, and you said, Yahweh rebuke you, Satan. Get thee behind me. It is written. And he fleed from you for a time. Didn't you feel victorious? Didn't you feel like you could take a giant? You said, man, Yahweh, thank you. Thank you for getting me through that battle. It pumped you up spiritually, right? It pumped you up. You can pass any test by the power of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. Listen to this. Paul writes, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. And Yahweh is faithful. And He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. I talked with a family member one time. And they said, good Lord, I feel like I've been tempted beyond what I'm able. And you know what? So have I before. So have I. I felt like that before too. But this scripture still says this when I open it up and read it. Yahweh is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able But with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. You say, Brother Matthew, I don't see the way of escape. You know what? A lot of times I don't either. (laughs) A lot of times I don't either. But it's there. It is written. Claim the promise of Yahweh. James 4 verse 7 says, resist the devil. That word resist means oppose him, stand up against him. And you know what it says after that? And he will flee from you. He will flee from you. Let's follow the example of our Master and Savior right here. When we come in these areas of trials and temptations and tests, know the Scriptures, quote the Scriptures, don't think you can do it in your own power, be led by the Spirit, Recognize the Spirit in you is doing the work. Recognize He's in control. But you can overcome any test, any trial, any temptation. Yahweh is faithful. He's not going to allow you to be tempted more than you're able. Praise Yahweh. Let's stand and have a word of prayer. We'll meet back here next uh, on the Gregorian calendar next Monday at 4.30 and get more into Luke chapter 4. Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you. I praise you for your word. I thank you for the meat of the word. I thank you for the milk of the word, Father. I thank you, Father, for the example of our Master and Savior. And I pray, Father Yahweh, that we would be able to learn from it, apply it to our lives, and be bold and strong, and claim your promises, claim your scriptures, quote your scriptures, and recognize that, Father Yahweh, even though Satan is powerful and very intelligent, He is no match whatsoever for you, Almighty Yahweh. And I know that He cannot do anything apart from your allowance. And so that gives me great hope and great faith. Help us in our areas of tests, trials, and tribulation. For it's through your Son that we pray.